Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And in the episode right before this one, I explained what I'm getting ready to do. I'm going to share with you a series of podcast episodes that are going to feature for you for free. I'm giving you all of my talks from the Free the Dream 2019 conference. The Free the Dream message, my friends, is what I was put on this earth to share with the world, and I want as many people to hear this message as possible. And so what this episode is right here, this is my opening keynote address, All Beliefs Have Consequences from Free the Dream 2019. Thank you. If there is one thing I want you to take away from this event, it's this understanding. All beliefs have consequences. Seriously, I mean, I, I, I literally mean that. If you don't take away anything other than the fact that all beliefs have consequences, I will have considered this entire event a success. Some of you were here last year and you might think, man, I've heard this talk before. Some of you were at Tribe Conference last week and you may have heard it last week. But I want to encourage you to understand one thing. Repetition is the mother of skill. And every talk that I'm giving at Free the Dream 2019 is the same talk that I gave at Free the Dream 2018. How many of you were here last year? Raise your hand. Awesome. One of the interesting things is as I listen through some of the Tony Robbins materials that inspire so much of the Free the Dream message is, by the way, I'm on my 37th time through Creating Lasting Change, Personal Power 2, and the audio version of Unleash the Power Within. And on my 37th time through, I'm still hearing things I swear I didn't hear. It wasn't, those words were not spoken the first 36 times I listened to it. And many of the things that I've heard in the past, I've heard them before, but they mean something new to me today because I'm different today than I was three months ago when I heard it the last time. So I want you to take special close attention to this story about all beliefs have consequences. Many of you know how I started out in my business. And for those that don't know, in December 2005, my wife introduced me to a television show called Lost. Anybody watch the television show Lost? Raise your hand. Awesome. Well, she introduced me to this television show, and uh, I will tell you that I did not watch it at first. She did. But occasionally, I would sit down on the couch, and she'd be watching this show, and I'm like, what's the big deal? And it was finally, I think, the third to last episode of the TV show Lost of the first season, 
and there is this uh, guy on a boat called Mr. Friendly and says, we're going to have to take the boy. You guys remember that, right? And I'm like, okay, there's some kind of mystery going on here. Who are those people? They cut to the break, a big cliffhanger, and I'm like, okay, now I've got to know what's going on. The thing is, is there were already at the time five different podcasts devoted to the TV show Lost. And I became so intrigued by the mystery of this show that I subscribed to all five podcasts, listening to about five hours a week of people talking about a TV show. Anyway, I I got so excited about this that after a while, I started blogging about my own theories about the TV show. And I came up with this thing called the Thomas Theory. And the Thomas Theory I was so proud of that I recorded a three and a half minute audio summary of my voice into an audio file. And I submitted submitted it to Ryan and Jen Azawa in Hawaii. And they played my audio feedback in the transmission podcast. I can't begin to tell you what happened inside of me when I heard my voice in one of my favorite podcasts that went out all around the world. Interesting story. Some of you may not know this, but my website, my blog got shut down by my hosting provider as a result of that plug on their show. And the reason why is because Entertainment Weekly, EW.com, heard my theory I referenced my blog, ravenscraft.org at the time, that I'd been doing since 1996, and I very rarely ever got more than 50 to 100 people per month who visited my website from 1996 through 2005. All of a sudden, ew.com goes to my blog, and somebody there writes an editorial on my theory saying this is the one theory that could explain everything that's going on in this television show. Millions of people tried to pull up my website, and they shut me down because I exceeded bandwidth limitations. Anyway, once I got all that sorted out, uh, I had people from all around the world saying, Cliff, man, I love this. You should create your own podcast about Lost. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I like that idea. I like to talk, and so I think this is great. So the only thing is, though, is I had beliefs at the time that ah, nobody's going to want to hear me talk about Lost every single week because there's already five other people, and they're way more qualified than me. Anybody ever feel those feelings before? Oh, yeah. Who would want to hear me talk when there's these people? I mean, everything I've learned, I've learned from these guys or from a forum. What do I have to offer and bring to the table? So I I definitely want to do a podcast because I really liked hearing my voice broadcast out to all these people, even if it's only three and a half minutes. And so I thought, well, what else could I podcast about? Well, I was very passionate and still am very passionate about my faith. But the reality is I'm like, nobody's going to want to hear me talk about my faith. I mean, there's already Christian radio broadcasters like Chuck Swindoll and Tony Evans and all these other people that I look up to, and they're way more qualified to talk about, their, about faith than I am. Who would want to hear me? And then I thought, well, there's one other passion that I have. It's technology. I am a geek when it comes to technology. I love technology. But then I thought to myself, well, who started podcasting? A bunch of technology people. And every technology person who knows anything about technology, they already have podcasts. They are the early adopters. So who would ever want to hear me talk about technology? So I launched my very first podcast called Generally Speaking. 
And the idea was that, you know what, I'm just gonna, I just wanna talk. I just wanna put my voice out into the world. And I introduced the fact that I have this generally speaking podcast where quite frankly, it's gonna be about anything, every episode is gonna be about one of these three things. It's technology, faith, or the television show Lost. And I said, I won't try to include all three elements in every episode, so I'll limit each episode to one. And you can look at the title, and you can delete the faith episodes you don't want. You can delete the lost episodes you don't want. You can delete the technology episodes you don't want. And so I, I introduced the show, and I said, okay, and so for the rest of this episode, I'm going to devote the rest of this to the TV show Lost, because that's what prompted me to start this. And I began to talk about why I love the TV show Lost. And I put it out, and I was shocked to get about 500 downloads of that first episode. You know, I'd already gotten some people that were looking for this, and so they, they said, this is great. I, the only thing is, Cliff, is you're right. I have no interest in hearing you talk about your faith. And they said, and you're right. I have no interest in hearing you talk about technology. And I got to tell you, both of those pieces of feedback stung a little bit because I still wanted to talk about those things. But here's what actually kind of made that, those feelings soothe over. They said, Cliff, I would absolutely love to hear you talk about Lost every single week. And so I came back with episode number two, and I invited my wife, who introduced me to the television show Lost, and I said, Stephanie, would you like to podcast with me? She goes, what's that? Now, the thing is, she had just finished doing a Bible study I think it was Beth Moore or somebody like that that said, you should, if your husband ever invites you to participate in one of his hobbies, say yes. It's amazing what could happen in your marriage if you do. And so she had just read that. And as a result of it, she said, yes. And she's thinking, and she said this before, yeah, I'll give him six weeks and he'll be done with it. Because, you know, he gets passionate about something and then he moves on. And so, by the way, I didn't move on. So we start sitting down in front of a microphone and I say, hey, everybody, welcome to the weekly Lost edition of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. Because I knew by then I was still going to create a podcast about faith and a podcast about technology. But this is our weekly podcast devoted to the TV show Lost. After that episode went live, Ryan and Jen and a bunch of other of the Lost podcasters said, Cliff, hey, we have this thing called the Lost Podcast Network. And I said, what's that? And they said, well, we have a blogger account and we all have a login and you can put your podcast episodes into RSS, this combined RSS feed in addition to your own. And, it'll, you know, because we love the content that you and your wife are doing. I think it's incredible. I said, awesome. So the third episode of this podcast, we had 27,000 downloads within 24 hours. A guy in northern Kentucky sitting down at a table with his wife. Nobody's ever heard of us before. And now we have an audience of 27,000 people. The interesting thing to know is that as I'm employed as an insurance agent in a family-run insurance agency. My mom and dad owned an insurance agency, owned an insurance agency started by my grandfather in 1937. I was next in line to take over the family generation business. And I, everything was all set up for me to do that. The only thing is, is that I don't know that, that that's really what I want to do. In fact, when my mom and dad hired me, they hired me to come in and set up network computers for them. And I said, I'll come work for the family agency on two conditions. Number one, you'll never 
ask me to get my, life insur- or my insurance license because I have no desire to sell insurance. And number two, if I'm ever offered an opportunity to become a full-time pastor, if I'm ever offered an opportunity to become a full-time pastor, to pastor my own church, I have to get your full blessing to leave no matter how much less money I may make as a pastor. This is what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to have a powerful, profound, and positive impact in the lives of other people, and I felt called to a life of full-time ministry. My heart was never in selling insurance. Well, as time went on, I, my wife and I, we, we had children, and of course, there's financial needs and all this other stuff, and I'm like, there was this opportunity after all the computers are set up to to make lots of money selling insurance. And after setting up computer systems and all this other stuff, I see my dad, basically I gave him this fill-in-the-blank form. He used to have to fill out all these things inside of a manual to do quotes. Now he could do it all on the computer, but instead he gave it all to me to do. I gave him a fill-in-the-blank form. He would actually fill in the information, what's their name, their address, social security number, all this other stuff. And I would take that information I would punch it into the computer, and within seconds, I would have the prices. I'd hand it back to him. He'd call the person on the phone. They'd say, yeah, that sounds great. I'll come in. And they come in and sign the contract. Policy sold. Thing is, he says, you know, we could cut out the middleman here, and you could be doing this, and do you know how much money you could make? Now, the thing is, is at the time, this was for auto and home insurance. He says, I'll tell you what. Because I don't, I know you're kind of concerned about sales and stuff like that. How about this? You just maintain your salary and for every home and auto policy, I'll give you $10 finder's fee on each one. But I can't do that unless you're licensed because there's a law against sharing commissions. And so I said, okay. So I went and sat in a classroom for 40 hours, studied a book, did a multiple guest test. I got more than 50 correct. And I'm like, yes, I'm a licensed property and casualty agent. I can now sell you auto and home and business insurance. And that's what I began to do. And then all of a sudden, I I became more profitable as a result, started earning a lot of extra income. The thing is, is I never really discovered my passion and desire and zeal for sales through that because, quite frankly, it wasn't a sales process. People, like, went and bought a car. You had to have insurance. You went and got a mortgage on a home. The bank required you to make sure that if it burned down, they're covered. So it's kind of like, would you like a hot apple pie with that? You know, it's like, it wasn't really sales. However, I started to discover, because of the fact that Stephanie and I... um, when we started out, we didn't work in insurance, and I introduced my wife to the world of debt. And we had racked up a significant amount of debt, and I had discovered through some friends of ours, Dave Ramsey. And this whole idea of becoming debt-free was a new concept. I'm serious. I always thought that there's a couple things in life that are guaranteed. You're always, you're, you're always going to have to pay taxes, and you're always going to be in debt, and you're going to die. Those are things that are certain in life. And so I never even considered the idea that there was a lifestyle called debt-free. But I was introduced to Dave Ramsey, and, and all of a sudden, Dave Ramsey's talking about buy-term, invest the difference, become debt-free, follow this specified plan. And I got really excited about that. And as a result, my wife and I became debt-free in a very short period of time. Hundred, not hundreds, tens of thousands of dollars in debt paid off in two and a half years. 
And I became so excited about this idea of teaching and coaching people about becoming debt-free that I said, I want to go get my life insurance license. I want to start selling term life insurance and educating people. And so I got my term life insurance, I got my life insurance license. And, but the thing is, I went to my dad and I said, listen, I want to talk to you about, for a moment. He says, what's that? I said, you know, I know how much commission comes in on auto and home insurance policies. And you said, you know, I'll just, we wouldn't do the commission thing. I'd get salary and I'd get a $10 finder fee. Woohoo! Um, but I said, I, I want to go get my life insurance license. And he says, I think that's great because you could go on these incentive trips. And I'm like, yeah, I want to do that as well. That would, that'd be wonderful. But I want to get my life insurance license. But I want to work out a deal with you where I get 50% of whatever the agency gets on commission. Now, how term life insurance works is that whatever you pay for the first year, 100% of that premium, so if your premium is 150 bucks, well, 150 bucks goes straight to commission to the agency. And I, if for every $150 policy I sold, I would get $75 commission. And so it's like, I like this idea. This, this kind of could motivate me, you know what I'm saying? And uh, my dad says, okay. He liked the idea. It's not, it's like, he's not losing anything because if I didn't sell, he wouldn't have, he'd have zero. So he loved it. The only thing is, is I became addicted to selling life insurance. All right, people came into my business and they said, Cliff, um, I need to get this insurance on this Mustang. All right, I just got this new sports car, 24-year-old guy. And I'm like, awesome, okay. He goes, how much will it be? Now, the thing is, he had a, used Toyota Corolla before, all right? So his rate's going up significantly. 24-year-old guy with the Mustang 5.0 GT, everything all spoilered out and everything. And so I tell him what his price would be. He goes, man, that's expensive. And I'm like, yeah. I said, have you already bought the car? He said, yeah. And I said, can you take it back? He said, no. I said, would you like to look at some options at reducing this, this price? He says, what? I said, well, do you own a home? He says, no, I don't own a home. I said, well, do you have an apartment? Do you rent somewhere? Yeah, me and my wife, we rent. I'm like, okay, well, let's look at a renter's insurance policy. And I said, that's going to be about $10 a month for a renter's insurance policy, but it'll save you $15 a month because of the discount off of this car. So it's already, that brings it down by $5 a month. He's like, awesome. I said, do you have life insurance? He says, no. He goes, I don't need life insurance. And I sit there, I said, well, let me just ask you a couple questions. Um, are you, you said you're married. You and your wife rent. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any kids? He says, yeah. I said, he says he's got one and one on the way. Interesting. I said, do you have any debt? He says, yeah, we have plenty of debt. And it's like, how much do you owe on the car? It was, he, he, owed, he was upside down on the car. He had tens of, thousand, tens of thousands of dollars in debt. And quite frankly, he couldn't afford the car that he was driving nor the insurance on it. But here he is with a wife and two children and has no life insurance and no plan to ever become debt-free. And I sit there, and so I sit there, I said, well, let me ask you this. If something were to happen to you and you're driving down the road in your brand new Ford Mustang and somebody comes across the line, hits you head on, they're traveling 45 miles per hour, you're traveling 45 miles per hour, boom, you're dead. What happens to your wife and kids? I said, I never thought about that. I said, well, let's think about it. 
And then all of a sudden I talked to him about the idea of having a $150,000 life insurance policy. And then he would say, oh my gosh, you mean, I could pay for my kid's college. I it would pay off all the debt, all of this other thing. My wife wouldn't have to go out and get three jobs to try to make ends meet for the kids. And man, that is like, but the, the thing is, is I can't afford life insurance. I said, it's only $30 a month. And oh, by the way, it'll save you another $20 a month off of your auto insurance because of the multi-policy discount. The thing is, is you'll get the life insurance for a net. I'm not doing my live math here right, but if the analogy is right, I think it was about $5 net is what it would cost him to have life insurance. And then I sit there and say, he goes, okay, I'm in. I want this. I said, does your wife have life insurance? He goes, my wife doesn't need life insurance. She doesn't work. Your wife works. <laughs> and trust me, if she were to die you'd find out just how much she works. In fact, you know, if, if your wife were to pass away, who would watch the kids? Do you know what take care costs? Do you know what other expenses are? All of these other things. And he's like, okay, how much is it for my wife? And it's like, it's $7 a month for your wife. And then I asked, do you have life insurance on your children? And he's like, I don't need that. If something were to happen to your child, do you have fifteen dollars to $20,000 for the burial and everything else associated with it? Wow. Never thought about any of this stuff. I said, it's not the time you want to be going around borrowing money. And so I walk, the guy walks out, and, and the thing is, is, he doesn't walk out 20 minutes later. He walks out two and a half hours later after coming in to ask how much it is to add his car to his policy. But he walks out with life insurance for himself, his wife, his kids, and not only that, he walks out for the very first time in his life with a plan to become debt-free. He had never considered it before. And I talked to him about the fact that I'm going to sell you a 30-year term policy, and your goal is by the end of the 30 years, you have no debt and no need for this policy anymore. And mind-blown. I got to the place where, quite frankly, in my insurance career, I was doing that 15, 20 times per week because those people left my audience or left my office and went and told everyone else about the conversation I had just had. Now, I got to tell you, my dad was not so excited about how much time I was spending with clients because quite frankly, really, if you think about time invested to make, you know, what did I make? I, I may have made, you know, $150, you know, in commissions, Per, for myself personally, $150 in commissions for the agency. I'm sure there was the commissions on the, the car, but the car was really where most of the, the, the monthly premium on the car is where most of the income for our agency was coming uh, because that car was very expensive to insure for a 24-year-old. But the reality is, is that it wasn't very profitable for me to spend two and a half hours with each client. But see, I wasn't thinking like that. I was thinking about, I'm serving people. I'm doing what I was most called to do in this world. I'm actually, in fact, I got to the place where I believed for a time that, you know what, if I was offered an opportunity to become a pastor of a church full-time, I don't know that I would do it at this point. I feel like this is my greatest ministry in the world. Until I discovered podcasting. Stephanie and I podcasting every week. By the way, that 27,000 downloads per episode very quickly went to 60,000 downloads per episode. And as a result of that, we started getting emails from all over the world. 
people saying, Cliff, because of you and your wife, there was that episode where you talked about tabula rasa. That was the title of an episode, starting over with a clean slate. The whole idea is that these people crash landed on an island and they all had these really horrible past things that they had done that, that quite frankly, if people knew that they, they would judge them. And as a result of that, now they're on the island, nobody knows their past. They get to start over with a clean slate. They get to reinvent themselves. What an amazing theme. So Stephanie and I got to talk about our own experiences with starting over with a clean slate. Uh, we talked about some of our experiences with our faith, not intentionally in people's face, but pay in, in your face with it, but just like, man, this is an opportunity for us to talk about how we've experienced the opportunity to start over with a clean slate and that we get to do it every single day without crash landing on an island. How awesome is that? And what's so crazy is that this is just natural. This is who Stephanie and I are. This is how we believe. This is how we think. I was blown away to learn that people around the world didn't know that they could start over with a clean slate and reinvent themselves every single day if they choose to. So people are like, Cliff, Stephanie, you blew my mind. This is changing my life. We had uh, all good cowboys had daddy issues. My wife has some daddy issues in her past. I certainly had my share of daddy issues in my past. We talked authentically about daddy issues and people are writing to us telling us their daddy issues and all the things that, and of course, what am I doing? I'm spending all of my time now, hours, every single week, encouraging people, educating people through email. And I realized, man, it's been incredible to do the ministry that I've done through selling insurance. And I will tell you, the work that I was doing through insurance is powerful because there have been a number of times where that, let's just, if you want to call it that avatar, that 24-year-old guy that just got his Mustang, you know, if there were, let's just say, 150 of those people that I talked to, I've sat across the desk from at least four or five of the wife who I had never met before, who collected on the policy that I sold. And so I know the weight and the power of the work that I was doing. But here's the thing. It couldn't compare to the work that was happening in the lives of people around the world as a result of my wife and I speaking into a microphone, just talking about life. And I began to ask myself, what would life be like if I could do this for a living instead of selling insurance. And that scared me. I'm like, I can't do this. And for a long time, I'm like, who am I to even think about this? I mean, people are losing their jobs left and right. Uh, the economy doesn't look like it's going in, in a great direction in 2008. By the way, this is, this is, two, this is 2006, but things are starting to, to hit a bubble and people are predicting some pretty nasty things on, on the horizon. And I'm like, man, people are losing their jobs. Downsizing's happening everywhere. I have more job security than anybody I've ever met. Not to mention the fact that, quite frankly, I make more money than most everyone I know. Now, at the time, I didn't know a lot of people that made lots of money, you know, but the reality is, is most everyone in my world, I would say out of every 100 people I knew, I made more money than 99 out of every 100 people I'd ever met in my life. Who am I to think about putting my wife, who's a stay-at-home mom, and my three kids at risk to pursue 
my love and passion for speaking behind a microphone. That's crazy. And so I didn't talk about this dream for a while, but it wouldn't go away. It kept nagging at me, nagging at me, nagging at me. And finally, one day I spoke it out loud to somebody. And then I was embracing myself. I'm like, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to protect whatever is going to be spoken to me. I'm ready for it. Because I promise you, whatever you say, is gonna, it will not be as hurtful as the things that I said. I'm not worthy of it. I'm not capable. This is irresponsible. I, but, I'm, I, but I'm ready to hear confirmation of all of the negative thoughts. The one crazy thing is, is you might think, matter of fact, somebody just told me, I assume, Cliff, that that was a difficult decision in light of all the people who told you how crazy it was that you would do that. I didn't have one person who ever told me it was a crazy idea. Every single person I ever told that I had a dream of leaving my secure career in a family-run insurance agency, and they knew how much money I made, not one person told me it was a crazy idea. In fact, they told me that not only can you do it, you have to do it. And I'm thankful because, quite frankly, I was so fragile at the time. I think if one person would have told me, no, you shouldn't do it, it would have been all I needed to break my, the camel's back for me because I had loaded so much on my own back. But everybody encouraged me. I had people, I started talking about it in my podcast, and people said, Cliff, oh my gosh, you could so do this. In fact, I'll jump on a call and I'll tell you, I've, I've never had a job as an employee in my, a day in my life. There's this, there are these people called entrepreneurs and business owners. It's like, really? This is cool. And, and they said, here's five ways that you could make a living. And I was already had people uh, begging me to pay. So they were begging me that I would accept their money to teach them how to podcast. I was, I was teaching them for free. It's like, how do you produce seven to 15 podcast episodes a week? I got to know how you do this. How do you set up a podcast? I want to create a podcast. And so I was already making somewhere between three to $5,000 a month from teaching people how to podcast because they said, you can't let me get all of this for free. You've spent hours with me. I've got to pay you something. And so I eventually came to the place where all of these people are telling me what's possible, which by the way, I didn't think it was possible to get paid to talk to people and encourage and educate and inspire them directly. That that, there's no way at the time. But I did learn that I could get paid for my technical skills of giving people a tangible result. If you don't have a podcast today, I can get you a podcast. I knew I could get paid for that. And so I made the decision in January 1st, it was January 1st, 2008, I became full-time self-employed. Left my career as an insurance agent. And you might think, wow, and that's how he became the podcast answer man. Man, over 40,000 people in the world trained how to podcast. He built his business over a decade to over a half million dollars in one year. That's incredible. You might think it was all sunshine and rainbows, especially with Cliff's sales experience. He's got to be able to be successful right out of the gate. But there's a problem. There was a big problem, and I didn't know it at the time. All beliefs have consequences. And as a result of some beliefs that I had, I had a habit of throwing money in the trash. You see, what happened was, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Well, first of all, let me just tell you this. 
my first year in business, I did the math the other day. I actually didn't, didn't do the math. I allowed uh, QuickBooks to do P&L statements. 2008, my first year in business, total gross revenue, $76,701. Woo! Totally awesome. Actually, it's not that bad if you think about it. Very low overhead, right? Cool thing that $71,701 allowed me to pay for an accountant because I had no idea what to do with taxes. Uh, it allowed me to pay for health insurance as a business expense for our entire family. That was, our, was my number one concern. How do we cover health insurance if I'm not an employee and it's not a benefit? Guys, you just pay for it. It's a business expense. Just like getting a toner cartridge. It's really no difference. Just slightly more expensive. Although, have you looked at the price of toner cartridges? <laughs> like that. Matter of fact, I remember being freaked out the first time I actually ordered my own toner cartridge. I had always ordered them for the office, and I, I never looked at the price before. $85? Wow. Anyway, it was crazy. So, but the, the thing is, is that year, I worked 14 to 18 hours a day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Seven days a week, every week, for nine months, I didn't take a single day off. Not one. And I never drew a single penny from a paycheck from my business. There wasn't enough money at the end of all the other business expenses. I ordered, my CPA got paid, health insurance premiums got paid, all the other expenses to just do things got paid, but Cliff Ravenscraft never received a single penny for the first nine months. And finally, in the final uh, three months, things were starting to pick up a little bit, but the reality is, is that I only made $11,000 net income that year. $11,000. That was a little drop in pay from the year before. Little drop, of, little drop in pay. Why did I make so little money? Because all beliefs have consequences. And here's what happened. I had a client uh, that, this is a 2009 story. I had just raised my rates at that time to $300, which is a whole story in and of itself, how I went from $50 an hour to $95 an hour, because I, I don't know why I couldn't make the jump to 100 but, but there was a ceiling somewhere, and, and, and doing 95 was more comfortable. I went from $50 an hour to $95 an hour. Then I went to $150 an hour. And then I was going to go to 200 and my mastermind group says, you can't go to 200 You've got to go to 300 And I'm like, I can't do that. And they said, okay, go to 200 Eventually, two weeks later, I read an article. By the way, you can go to mindsetanswerman.com slash double your rates. And there's a link to a Peter Shallard article, Seven Reasons Why Doubling Your Rates Will Double Your Success. Anyway, I raised my rates to $300, and I had a client call me right after doing so. He says, Cliff, I'd like to buy some equipment. And I said, great, because I want to build a podcast studio. I said, awesome. And I sit there, and he says, um, I, only, I have a small budget to work with. I only have $25,000. And I'm like, I think we can cover that. The reality is, as I sold him about $1,600 worth of equipment, I made about $400 on the sale, all right? And then he says, Cliff, I don't have any clue on how to hook this up. Can you help me hook it up? I'm sure I said, sure. Based upon all of the equipment that he had, I estimated two hours, and I said, I'm, I'm $300 an hour with a minimum of one hour, so that'd be $600. No problem, put it on. 
I just made 600, hold on, let's see, 600, 400, is that, oh my gosh, I just made $1,000. Did I just do that live math right? Anybody? Sweet, live math, Cliff Ravenscraft, I got it. All right, so I just made $1,000. 400 out of it, I just made in 15 minutes. That's insane. And I'm getting paid $600 to do two hours of work, and we got on the call no problem at all. After we finished our two hours, after we received the equipment, he is so excited, and I just had the time of my life. A couple months later, I get an email from him. He says, Cliff, I got a problem. He goes, I, I can't hear the people on my telephone interface device. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't hear people? And he says, Cliff, I can't hear people. They, they, the audio just won't come through. And I sit there, I said, well, can you tell me what's going on? He couldn't explain it in a way that made sense. So I sit there, I said, well, I've got a full schedule. In two weeks, I can help you out. And he says, no problem at all. And I I felt guilty about the fact that, um, and he says, and I said, it's a minimum of one hour, you know, $300. He says, yeah, no problem. Put me on your schedule. So I felt guilty as he had to wait two weeks. And I sit there, and I wrote him an email. I said, you know, JK Audio is the manufacturer of this device. And here's their 800 number. They have amazing tech support. Why don't you call them? He says, Cliff, if it's okay with you, I, I, I don't need it for another couple weeks. So two weeks, if, it, if you still have the time on your schedule, I'd still like to meet with you. And so two weeks came by, got on the call. I dialed into the conference bridge about five minutes early. He was already on the call. And I sit there, I said, hey, let's test this out. And so I pick up my phone and I dial in the phone number and I listen and I'm like, do me a favor. Reach behind the device and unplug the power cord. He says, okay. I said, plug it back in. He said, okay. Dial in the phone. Can you hear me? It's working. 90 seconds and I solved his problem. 90 seconds. He says, Cliff, send me the invoice. Thank you so much. And I said, I can't send you the invoice. He goes, what do you mean you can't send me the invoice? I I said, I can't send, I haven't earned it. He goes, yes, you did. I said, no, I haven't. I said, this was way too easy. I should have known this. I should have been able to tell you this over the phone. I've heard this before. It's happened to me so many times. I should have asked you the right questions. I, I can't in good conscience go to bed tonight if I send you the invoice. He tried for another three and a half minutes, the remainder of the five minutes, and by the time we got off the phone, this is what I did. I took $300 that he wanted to give me, and right before his eyes, I tore it up. And afterwards, I said, throw it in the trash. That was my habit. And you might think to yourself, how can anyone be that stupid? And that's what I want to share with you. Why do we do what we do? Why do we take the actions like throwing money into a trash can? This is something that I learned from Tony Robbins. All human behavior is belief-driven. All human behavior is belief-driven. What is a belief? I just learned this two years ago, this definition. A belief is nothing more than a thought that you feel certain is true. A belief is nothing more than a thought that you feel certain is true. Don't confuse the idea of a belief with being a fact. Just because you believe it, everyone else believes it, 
you seemingly have no evidence to the contrary, well, it must be a fact. That's how I used to associate the context and my, my thoughts around this idea of a belief, that what I be, if it's a belief, then it's true, and you can't argue against my beliefs. And that's why sometimes I used to have problems that I still see and a lot of people have today, where somebody else has a different belief that's opposing to my belief, and there used to be a lot of conflict there until I learned that a belief is nothing more than a thought that I feel certain is true. But just because I feel certain it's true doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. All beliefs have consequences. And I want to give you a formula that can help you understand this. In your book, you'll see the notes there. Underneath R, I want you to write the word results. The results that we have today came from all of the actions we've taken in the past. Your actions, whether they be good or bad, are going to give you a result. So, for example, if I am 300 pounds, the, probably the actions that led me there was maybe eating a pint of ice cream several nights a week or an entire bag of family-sized Doritos a couple nights a week. How does one get that way? Actions equal results. All right? Why do we do the things we do? Why do we have these actions? Why do we overeat? Why do we throw money into the trash? It is all preceded by what we're thinking and how we feel. It's what our thoughts are and how our emotions are inside of us that cause us to make the decisions that we make. And by the way, our thoughts and our emotions, what, what, what drives what we're thinking about at any, at any given moment in time, what drives what we are feeling emotionally inside, it is our beliefs. So when it all comes down to it, it's our beliefs that lead us to the results that we get in life. And I'll demonstrate this for you. $300 thrown into the trash. That's the result that I had. Just threw it away. What was the action that I took? I refused to send the invoice. What beliefs led me to think and feel in such a way? I told you how I thought I can't in good conscience do this. Why? I, what was I feeling? I, I, I feel guilty. What was the beliefs? Number one, I believed that I must work hard to earn money. Anybody ever been taught that before? I have to work hard to earn money. Did I work hard in that 90 seconds? <laughs> no. I knew exactly what it was the second I heard the sound. There was no hard work involved in that at all. Here's the next one. The more difficult my job is, the more income I should earn. This is why I believe brain surgeons and rocket scientists make more money than, you know, or, you know, than, than a garbage collector or the guy who mows your lawn. It's like I had this, this paradigm that the more difficult someone's job is, the more that they should get paid. And was this job that I did, that 90 seconds, was it difficult? No. And so should I get paid $300 for doing what I just did? No, that's crazy. How about this belief? The more I hate my job, the more I should get paid to do it. I know that's a whacked out belief, but I tell you, I held that belief. I was so certain it was true. 
There are so many times I, could, I got evidence that will point out the fact that I have always been paid more money to do the things I hate most. And as a matter of fact, my mom and dad, it's like, Cliff, will you do this around the house, this chore or something like that, that was beyond what was normally expected of me? And I'm like, no, what if we paid you this much? Okay, I'm in. So the more I hate my job, the more I should get paid. And I had employers over my lifetime who also backed up this. I could tell you lots of stories, but I had this and I did not hate what I did. On that call, that 90 seconds, I, I love the fact that, as a matter of fact, I, I, I begged him. I said, hey, I can't send you, I, but I'll tell you what, you, I, you've got me for the next hour. Would you like to talk? And he's like, no, Cliff, I'm good. Thanks. Send me the invoice. Like, but, but we have an hour, you know, and that was the next one. My clients are paying me for an hour of my time. He didn't get an hour of my time. So I didn't earn the $300. That's how I thought. That's how I felt. The more time it takes to do a job, the more I should get paid. This only took 90 seconds. How should I? I mean, if, if I have this belief, do you guys see that? Oh, and by the way, one more belief. I still have this one, by the way. I, I'm going I'm to hold on to this belief for a while. Uh, it is wrong to take money that I have not earned, it is, unless it's a gift. But in the idea of in business, if I have not earned this money, it's called stealing if I take it from them. All right, so I'm going to hold on to that one. But if you look at that lineup of beliefs on the screen here, you'll notice that it would be impossible for me to send an invoice. Do you understand why now I, there's no way I could have went to bed at night? I couldn't have lived with myself sending an invoice for $300 for that 90-second call that I should have known to ask him that question. How did I not know? All right, if we want different results in life, we have to get to different beliefs, all right? So here's what I did. I began to evaluate. Listen, I earn money by providing value, helping people get what they want. What did he want? He wanted his telephone device. He was willing to pay $300 to get his problem solved. He needed to be able to hear the person on the telephone through his device. That's what he wanted. Did I give it to him? Yes, all right? The more I love my work, the more I'll invest in becoming great at what I do. The reality is, is that if he would have had a call with just any average podcast technical consultant, he probably wouldn't have got his problem solved in the first hour. Now, you would have if he would have called JK Audio, but he had already said, I want to work with you. But the reality is the average podcast consultant would have taken, they wouldn't have solved this problem in an hour. Matter of fact, it took me more than an hour to solve it the first time. But why was I able to solve it in 90 seconds? I listened, I heard a sound, and I'm like, I've only heard that sound twice before. When the electric went out and the power came back on, it sent a power surge, created what's called a crossover. And I literally troubleshot that for the, like, hours the first time trying to figure out why I couldn't get this device to work. And finally, I unplugged it and plugged it back in and it solved it. And when it happened the second time, I solved it instantly. And when I heard that in the first 90 seconds of the call, I knew what it was. Why was I able to solve it in 90 seconds? It's because I've devoted thousands of hours of my life. I was creating 15 to 20 hours worth of podcast content every single week, doing telephone calls every week. I've had this device for five years already myself. I know how to do this thing. 
And so the more I love my work, the more I'll invest in becoming great at what I'm doing, and I have so much more value to offer. Clients are paying for results, not paying for an hour of my time. Providing the desired result in a shorter amount of time was more valuable to my client. I didn't think about that at the time until I read a book a couple weeks later called uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. You might want to write that down. It's a powerful book. As a matter of fact, it's where this formula, the tier formula, came from. Anyway, the idea here is that um, I realized that this guy was able to afford to pay me the amount that he was able to pay me because his time is valuable. He was willing to spend an hour to troubleshoot the problem. It was that important to him. But the fact that I was able to solve his problem prior to the call even being able to start, he had an entire extra hour in his day. That was worth way more than $300, and he was willing to pay $300 just to get the solution. Wow. Money equals certificates of appreciation. I listened to the book, uh, Thou Shall Prosper, and it talks about that money is nothing more than these certificates of appreciation. And the more that uh, people appreciate the value you bring into, your li- into their lives, they'll look for ways. It's called the theory of reciprocity. How many of you ever, and as a kid, were picked on by people? They, maybe in school, you ever get uh, pushed or hit by a bully or anything like that in school? Raise your hand, or am I the only person? Okay. Whenever that happened, did you or did you not have a desire to push them back? What, or punch them back? And, and, and if so, don't feel guilty because it's actually, that's, we're hardwired this way. It's reciprocity. It's built into our nervous system. And so the interesting thing that I find is if I think back in all the times when somebody pushed me and I wanted to push them back, did you want to push them back exactly as much as they pushed you? A little bit harder. That, my friends, is the theory of reciprocity. It's the negative side of the theory of reciprocity, but it is the theory of reciprocity. But the opposite is true. Have you ever received an unexpected gift from someone? Just, it's not your birthday, but they gave you a gift. Did you or did you not internally immediately think, man, I have a desire to return value and maybe get a gift for this person unexpectedly one day? And do I want to find out how much he paid me or paid for my gift and make sure that I spend exactly the same amount? No, I want to give more. I want to give more. And that is the theory of reciprocity. And so whatever value you're giving to people, they want to give value back to you, but not the equivalent, but more. And the interesting thing is that when somebody says, I want to give you some certificates of appreciation, don't take their gift and rip it up in front of their face and throw it in the trash. So if I understand that money is the certificates of appreciation, I should never rob an opportunity to show appreciation. I shouldn't take their gift and throw it in the trash. And so with that belief system, what actions do you think I have no problem taking? I send the invoice. And once I worked out these different beliefs, these new beliefs, once I began to do that, my life changed. In fact, nobody schedules a call with me without paying beforehand. It's a whole different game because I know the value. I send the invoice, and what do I get if I do that action instead of refusing to send the invoice? I have an extra $300 in my pocket. This, my friends, I want you to understand. All beliefs have consequences. All right, four steps 
to breaking free from limiting beliefs. Number one, you need to become aware of the limiting beliefs that you have. Awareness is step number one. The problem is, is that we're unaware of 80% of our beliefs. When I refused to send that invoice, when I tore up that $300 and threw it in the trash that day, I was unaware of those beliefs that I told you about in the first set of slides. I, I was unaware. So if we're unaware, by the way, on this stage, I have eliminated so many limiting beliefs from my life. But I will tell you right now, on this stage, I am currently unaware of a minimum of 80% of every limiting belief that I still have keeping me from anything I want to do next in my life. So how do we become aware? That's where we come up with the need to dream. We need to dream. You need to ask, my, ask yourself, what do I want? And we're going to have an entire exercise on discovering what you want. All right? So when, I, I just want you to write down that step number one is awareness. How do you do it? It's the need to dream. Ask yourself this question. What do I want? Okay? If I want that, what steps would I need to take to get it? Okay? Now I know what steps to take. Then ask yourself this question. Why haven't I already started doing that? And you'll come up with these things we call excuses. And this isn't in your notes, but I want you to write this down. Excuses expose beliefs. Every I want you to think about this. Every single time from this day forward, when somebody asks you something in any conversation and you speak out of your mouth something that you know is an excuse, I want you to also take some time to find a pen and a piece of paper and write down that excuse because it will expose for you a belief that you have that's holding you back. Excuses expose your beliefs. That's how you become aware. And you don't become aware of those and you don't come up with the excuses until you, until you start dreaming and discovering what you want, why you want it, ask yourself how to get it, and then why haven't you done it? Or why won't you start right now? Why can't you? And you'll come up with all those limiting beliefs. I'm not worthy. There are people more qualified. There's already so many people doing this. Step number two, discover the source. You know, many times uh, our beliefs were formed when we were a child. Some of them, hopefully, some of our, your beliefs will be formed this weekend. But many of our beliefs were formed when we were a child. Things that we heard when we were a kid. I'll never forget a friend of mine. It was in middle school. I literally, looking back and evaluating it hindsight, I know when I started becoming fat. Some of you are like, Cliff, you're not fat. Oh, wait, there's another, there's another session where there's a slide. You'll see what I talk about before I came fat. I used to weigh nearly 300 pounds, by the way, just about four years ago, five years ago. But um, I, I'll never forget. I know I can look at, I can now evaluate. I remember the day a friend said something to me. He said, Cliff, you got the Dunlap disease. I can't believe it. And I'm like, what? He says, yeah, Dunlap. Your belly's Dunlapped over your belt. And that was the first time I ever noticed that I had a little bit more pudginess than everybody else. And I began to focus on that and I began to believe I was fat. And subconsciously, I began to act as though I was fat. 
And what I thought in my mind became reality until I got to the place where I was almost 300 pounds and almost died in the hospital in January 2009. So, verbal program. What did you hear when you were young? What did you see or experience? What did other people model for you? Common sources of beliefs are our parents, our siblings, friends, authority figures, teachers, religious leaders, media, news, television, movies, and even our culture. Once you discover the source of where that came from, you're able to understand that, hey, wait a second. This is where that came from. I picked it up somewhere. I wasn't born with this belief, so it's not a part of my identity. And if I adopted it and brought it into my life, maybe we can disassociate. Maybe we can break up. Maybe I can get it out of my life just as easily. And you can. And if you need help with disassociations, sometimes working out with a friend or a mastermind group or um, a pastor friend or, or a coach or whatever, get somebody who can talk to, the, talk to you about these beliefs and help you understand how some of these beliefs that are holding you back just aren't true. Disassociate. And then step number four, condition an empowering alternative belief. You see, I shared with you what was the beliefs that caused me to throw the money into the trash, but then I also shared with you the opposite beliefs. I actually came up with alternative, empowering beliefs. And one of the things that I have is called a daily affirmation file. I want you to turn to the back of your book. Um, see, look in the front where it says appendix. I think it starts on page 106. And then uh, from 106, there, right behind the dream exercise that we're going to do, you're going to notice that there's an exercise, there's an affirmation file, and it should have like probably well over a hundred of be empowering beliefs that I have. And one of the things that I do is I go through these affirmations on a consistent basis. Or, is it in there? 113, thank you. So in page 113, I go through those on a consistent basis. In fact, there's an app I use called ThinkUp. ThinkUp.me is the name, is where you can find it. You can actually put these into your phone. You can record them in, their, in your own voice, and it'll, you can hear your own voice telling you what you believe. Condition empowering beliefs. Um, and how do we do that? I, I shared with you how we do it. But here's what I want you to remember, my friends. From this day forward, every time you give an excuse as to why you don't have what you want, you're exposing a belief. Every time... You say, this is what I feel God wants me, for me in my life, but I don't have it today, and you give yourself an excuse, you're exposing a belief. And I want you all to never forget the phrase that every belief, all beliefs have consequences. Thank you.